Podcast, your host Jason, along with Chris. Yo, all right, and we're back. We are at the uh, we had perfect 10 last time, and just like Ty Dillinger's WWE career in the it's Blues win streak, they're both over. So, uh, <laughs> so coincidentally, within days of each other, which is kind of funny to a degree. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in Vegas and I got the uh, the alert the Ty Dillinger asked for his release like the day after he used his theme. And I was like, oh, we're the bad luck guys. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, that's great. But um, but for the Blues, winning streak, uh, they did break their uh, franchise record. Which we'll get into that. So we had it. They've been kind of back and forth ever since they broke the record here. But um, injury bug has kind of hit the Blues as well. So uh, we'll talk about that. The trade deadline has passed, so we'll talk about the one move that the Blues made, a very minor move, but we'll talk about all the like some big moves that are going to affect the Blues around the uh, Central and, and a couple of big ones around the league. And I don't know, and me and Chris, we were recording on the 28th of February, and we just saw the Islanders in Toronto uh, Maple Leafs uh, wrap up. Holy bejesus. And we're going to talk about the, that, uh, the, uh, the atmosphere during that game, so I thought there's some interesting conversation there. And our other usual witty banter mixed in there. So, you want to start by just addressing the streak? Yeah, I, mean, I figure that's the best way to go. We got the streak. I mean, this is a team that just broke the franchise record for consecutive wins, and up until was it December, couldn't win three in a row. Yeah, it was like mid December, I think, when they finally won. Yeah, they broke that. Uh, at least got to broke through and won three games in a row. It is it is remarkable and a little bit ridiculous how this team has turned around. And I know we talked about it on the last podcast, but but really, the only change has been a no name goalie stepped in. Yeah, and person, personnel wise, you're pretty much looking maybe McKenzie McKenzie. You're talking about a guy who's an AHL, not nobody major. I guess yeah. you could say. It's not like this team went out and made a blockbuster deal for Ryan Miller or, you know, things they've done in the past. They, Which they uh, got today it. is that anniversary, by the way. Yeah. We, I mean, they got it from within. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's shocking to me. Not shocking because I think we're now seeing the team that we all expected to see from back in October. But I like that, you know, like we said, when the streak ended, we wanted to see how this team rebounded. And they rebounded well. I mean, as we will get into it, Dallas beat the pudding out of them. But they turned around the, the next game, the next day, and played a very good Boston team and beat them. Yeah. Um, I think what's equally remarkable here is as bad as this team was on home ice to start the season, they're that good on home ice right now. Yeah, they're up to um, eight in a row 
on home ice and we're at one eight in a row when last couple of years they have been great on home ice. We kind of Whoa. And to start this year, they were putrid on home ice. I think I'm one and four right now. Um so. if we're gonna count Tuesday's game, which I was supposed to go to but didn't because I felt terrible, I am eight ironically enough, eight and two. Yeah. So you must be the good luck charmin that uh right now. Well, I I lucked out and got a lot of games that they won. Um, But I was also at that stinker against Pittsburgh. Uh, Yeah, I got the home opener. You're at the home opener as well. Yeah, I was – well, okay, I'm 7-3 because I was at the home opener as well. And then I was at – oh, what was – Was that a game you went to that was really bad? Terrible, yeah. Was that five – because I've been to – there's two in a row when they lost five to one. Yeah. I and I was at both of those. Yeah. Was yeah. it um, was that Minnesota? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, that was Minnesota because they had like barrage of goals in like the middle of the, right. uh, the second period that we and you were at. So, um, but man, yeah. I did some good ones. I was at the Chicago game where they beat the crap out of them. Um, you know, this team finally seems to be putting it together. Which, by the way, I think it's funny. Um, our friend Jamie has been paying attention from England. Um, there is a sport network there that, that picks up games. And usually what they get is what the NBC game of the week is every week, you know, mm-hmm. Wednesday night rivalry night or whatever. Uh, and lately, because the Blues have been featured so much, he has seen two of the wins against Nashville, and he saw the win against Boston. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I, I think the weekend games, the reason why they're like, 11 a.m. and 2 is to market them overseas because 11 a.m. and 2 is evening games. Yeah. Yeah. They're like later, like decent time games that people can watch, like later night games that people can watch uh, overseas, like in Europe. So I remember reading that. So it's interesting. Well, it's good. Jamie gets to see some uh, good games at least. So Streak was great. I mean, everything was, it's weird how everything, like you said, is coming together. Um, it's not only, don't get me wrong, the goaltending is a very good, very big piece, let me put it that way, of what's going on. Uh, I think the confidence from the goaltending out, I think when the goaltender is solid, it makes the players feel more confident. 100% agree with you. And, and another thing is, like, there's been high danger chances, let me wrong, um, but not as many. The defense has been great, too. Like, Jay Bomeister has played a pretty great. Um, Petro has turned his season around. I mean, I've seen a couple of giveaways. I mean, wrong, but compared Boy, to how bad he was. Game the other night. Oh. Yeah. There, there was a turnover where they served it up on a tee. But Bennington was there. And I, I think, you know, to your comment, it's been a top-to-bottom roster turnaround. Everyone yeah. has stepped up. Yeah, Tarasenko is uh, looks like that shoulder is finally healthy and was on a tear during that streak. He was having if he didn't score, you're disappointed. I during that streak last night that I think this is the best hockey as far as a all around game that we have seen Tarasenko play since he has come over to the NHL. Yeah, He's I agree with that. offensive threat, but he is back checking on both sides. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I know that people have made the comparison, but this, to me, reminds me of watching Ovechkin down the stretch last year when you could tell that Ovechkin really wanted it. Yeah, like um, for, uh, the last game when we were watching, uh, the Nashville game, 
there's a puck that was in the zone and he like dove to get like get it out of the zone. Yeah. And stuff like that you never would see him see. And then no. or, or or when he's going into the corner, throw a hit and dig the puck out and make the defensive play and instead of maybe going for a, a the same move to the middle or whatever he always does, I notice he has been going along the boards and doing more of a power move compared to going to the middle and taking the quick like uh, snapshot that he always does. He kind of does a power move now, or he'll pull it up, wait for somebody to come in and look for a pass. Like in the past, you would always try to do a move and possibly lose the puck. Yep. And yeah, just little things like that. I've noticed where it just good changes where you can see something's clicking. And I don't know. It's, I think it's, when there's a coach that kind of holds him accountable, I think that's good for him. I think the last couple of years, I don't think Mike Yo did that. Do you think huh? what Berube's doing? I think Berube's done a lot, and I was very much not a fan of the coaching move. Like, I think he had no choice to bring him Berube in as the uh, interim, but he'd be stupid not to bring him back next year now. I mean, I, I think where, where Berube has made the difference the most has been with the guys like Bennington and uh done and you know when you look at the guys that he has spent time with being in chicago or wherever i think that's where you're seeing um barube's knowledge of those players pay off you know he's got time with them he knows how they work he knows how they think so he's able to make that transition for them much easier than it would be otherwise yeah, it's uh, great. And I saw somebody actually bring up, one of the national guys brought up, like, Jack Adams votes for him, which is insane, you know, to think about that. If it wasn't for what Barry Trotz is doing with the New York Islanders, that Barube would be up there. Yeah, And then, uh, like, Bennington's starting to get a little bit of love if he continues to get games in, which I, he definitely will before the end of the year. And he'll yeah, definitely uh, – be in the Calder if it keeps it up. So I think if he finishes at this pace, I mean, at this pace, I think you're looking at which is dumb. At the, let's be honest there. I think you're looking at nine or ten shutouts if he if he keeps the pace up. He has uh, right now. Uh, we will get into the uh, all the games here, I but think he's averaging uh, a shutout every third game. About five shutouts and eighteen starts. Yeah, so that's three points. If uh, my accountant, that would be three three point three 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 starts. I mean, That's not too uh, shabby, to say the least. We should we need to look up for the next podcast where that ranks amongst debuts of players like Patrick Waugh and uh, and Brodeur and some of the greats. Well, well, we can compare him with other ones, but I know for in general, right now he's uh, up there with guys like uh, Ken Dryden and other guys I never heard of, like guys. I mean, that's that's big time. Yeah, but the other guys in the list that they had the other day who had like rookie shutouts, um, guys that it was like records that were very old. Let's put it that way in the twenties, in the forties, stuff that you have in guys you have no idea. Ken Dryden was the only one I really recognized in that list. Well, um, I think what that they showed on NBC. I think what makes this more impressive is this isn't a situation like, um, um, oh crap, dude in Pittsburgh. Matt, Matt, Murray? Matt Murray. Murray. Yeah, this isn't a situation like Matt Murray where you have a goalie that you're plugging into a Stanley Cup caliber and Stanley Cup defending team. This is a team that was on the ropes. This is a team that when, when Bennington took over was 
Damn near for, bottom of the league. Tied for 30th. Yeah. So it, it, it's not like he stepped into a golden opportunity. He has earned this every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's got national love. I mean, um, I don't know if you saw the video the Blues put out today. Like, you know, Jordan Bennington's getting like almost kind of legendary, like his interviews that are after the game. I saw that today. I didn't realize that he was such uh, a short interview. And my yeah. favorite one of all of that is the NBC game where the sound actually- got cut off. Yeah. And then, like, the guy interviewing him was just standing there, like, uh, come on, keep talking. Yeah. Coming. And then, um, my favorite one is the one that happened after the last game was uh, Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch asked him, you know, like, just, you've had a lot of close games lately, like, but you're like a flatliner. You're really calm and cool. Uh, so, what do you th- like, so what do you think about that? And he, and he looks, Jim Thomas, and like deadpans it, which is like amazing as well. He's like, did I look nervous? And, they, and he goes, no. He's like, there's your answer. And like deadpan old, it didn't crack a smile after that trying to be funny. Yeah. Amazing. The dude, look, I mean, I don't want to crown him the savior of the NHL. I'm not going to call him the next great goaltender yet. Yeah, let's let's, let's bump the brakes. I just, like, you don't get me wrong, doing fantastic. Doing great, dude. And I'm all for riding the wave as soon as it, you know, as long as it lasts. And God, I would love it if it would last all the way through May. But, you know, every great career starts somewhere. Could this be the start of something great? Could be. Yeah. So I, let's let's just roll with it and enjoy. That's got to keep telling people. And we're gonna. I want to talk about. I mean, you have each have a different rant on different things. Sure. We're gonna save that for the end. Mine's uh, kind of on the lines of that, but I'll save mine for the end. So there's your little teaser. Sure. So let's talk about our games. Let's catch up on our games. We got trade talk to go over, and uh, I do want to do a little bit on the Islanders game as well. So. First off, we left off with the Blues are going to face the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we, I called and I said, after looking, listening back, um, I said they would lose this game just because Toronto is, A, a very good team. B, the Blues have played a ton of games in February so yeah. far. And they're coming off the second weekend of back, back-to-backs. So they're probably tired. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, they look great in the first part of this game and pretty much dominated the first period. Um, was up 2 nothing. After one, uh, off the goals. I can't remember who had the goals now, so I'll have to figure it out. But I believe it was Tarasenko. Stop me if you've heard these before. I think it was Tarasenko and O'Reilly. I'm pretty sure you're right. So, um, unfortunately, and then the second period comes along. Uh, Toronto fights back here and uh, starting to get some traction, but the Blues are playing well. But then. The third period rolls around, and that's where things kind of happen. Ah, I'll take that back. It was finally where Jaden Schwartz broke his uh, that's right. goal scoring streak. Yeah. Schwartz and Preko. Preko had a power play. Preko's Preko's sorry, we're both wrong. Alan Schwartz scored his Bozak and Steen, and then Colton Preko had his shot. Remember, it hit the bar, hit off the the uh, yeah. post back bar, and out. And they played another thirty seconds before the yeah, buzzer went off, and they yep, went upstairs and had it. So. That's what happened. So I had to refresh my memory around this. So a couple of fl- – I got – even though Vinny Smith's in goal and I'm like not maybe making excuses or whatever. I know some people were claiming people were making excuses for Biddington or whatever. Uh, Zach Hyman got his 11th. 
And then Austin Matthews gets his 28th within 30 seconds of each other in the third period. Both are very fluky goals. So I I heard them. I didn't see them. Um, it sounded like, from what Kerber said, that both of these were off of Blue's defensive sticks. Yeah, it's like a turnover, and Hyman uh, was just kind of – it kind of hit him and just went in the net. And then Austin Matthews, uh, the puck was thrown in off the point – uh, from Nikita Zaitsev, hit off a Blues player, then hit off Matthews and into the net. So it was redirected twice, and Benton had no chance on it. Uh, got a little dicey at the end, but in overtime, after Mitch Marner, who can fly, by the way, like Jesus Christ, like watching him actually pl- like skate, it's ridiculous. That guy's going to like, the money your Austin Matthews got paid, that guy's going to get paid too. Cause he flew in. If he did not trip, if he didn't trip over the ref after O'Reilly picked off his pass, this probably would have been broken up and he would have caught O'Reilly, but O'Reilly picks it off. Who mind you, O'Reilly was making a case for the Selkie trophy, in my opinion. And before we get to him putting it in the net, what a dynamite defensive play to stop Marner. Yeah, he just basically read it perfectly and stopped it from a Gardner was moving in, and he was able to space himself right in between Gardner and Marner and picked it off and was able to, in the same stride, turn around and go the other way and catch the defenseman flat-footed to make it a two-on-one with Tarasenko. And Tarasenko was a very good decoy, and uh, Ryan O'Reilly goes blocker side, top shelf, Scores against Frederick Anderson, messes up my fantasy league, but I will take the mess up of my fantasy league for the win. The Blues win three to two in overtime, a really big emotional win. The Blues break their franchise uh, winning streak. They, at a, they make it eleven games now. Everybody's flying high. The building's going nuts, and that's the other thing too, man. Um, the crowd seemed loud. The crowd is like with this man. I mean, obviously it's winning, and when it's good hockey and winning, when it's bad hockey, you're going to be quiet. I get it. Always. But man, the last couple of games, especially the Nashville game, man, that crowd was insane, and it's awesome. And like you can hear it through the TV, and it's really great to hear. So we go into the next game, which we kind of alluded to already. The Blues streak stops here, and they just and the Blues in this game just look tired. I, it's finally, I think the February games caught up to them. Dallas, uh, you know, needed a win really bad here to try to get back into the playoff race here and catch uh, St. Louis, who's moved into third. Uh, the Blues fall five to two. Really didn't look great. This is only the second game that Jordan Benton has let in more than two goals. To tell you how many games out of like, I think at this time it was 14 games. Yeah or 15 games, and he let in two goals. I mean, that's insane. And, like, two games where he let in over two goals. And one was a three-goal game, and one was a – this was the most goals. Five – one was an empty netter, so four goals. So, the team just looked tired, and I think just – eventually you're going to have one of these, and I'll take it after 11 game wins in a row. So, I'm okay with that. I agree. I You know, I, I wish it would have happened a game sooner or a game later because you hate to drop a game like that to a division opponent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would have much rather it happened either against Toronto or the next game against Boston. Um, but you're right. You know, you, you play at such a high level for such a long time, you're going to have a dud. And um, 
you know, you hate to see it happen. But as we said, it's we knew that they weren't going to run the table to win their last 25 games. It was all about how does this team respond? You know, once you lose that game, be it in a blowout or in an overtime loss, once the streak is over, how do you respond? Do you get back up and put a win on the board or do you go on a slide? Because remember, as we've talked about, you know, the the Buffalo Sabres very early this year won 10 straight and then forgot how to play hockey for the next three months. Yeah, and they're still working on that. So uh, Blues come back home, play in the afternoon on Saturday against the – Next day. Uh, no, this is on Saturday. They had a game in between. You're right, so they, because they Saturday, Sunday games. You're right. Yeah, they had Saturday, Sunday games. So um, play Boston. Boston probably in one of the probably one of the if not the hottest team in the Eastern Conference. They've had seven wins in a row. I saw them play on Wednesday night in Las Vegas. Yeah, and uh, they won that game. They won that game in a six-round shootout with a game winner by David Backus. David Backus. There you go. So uh, the Blues looking to get get back on the uh, winning side of things and start off early. Uh, Pariah Blues Twitter Pariah, let's put it that way. Uh, Alexander Steen gets his uh, seventh of the year from Sunquist off a really actually nice pass with Sunquist, and the Blues played pretty well here, I think, in my opinion, for the game at least for most of this game. Well, I, I want to say they came out, they came out strong, and that's and then what it kind of fell apart. Yeah, um, not fell apart, but uh, they were right, uh, pre- prevent defense. Team. Yeah, they're in prevent defense a lot uh, in the third period. I know they seem to be under siege in the third period. Uh, uh, let's see. The Unfortunately, Boston ties at Chris Wagner. This is blown coverage pretty much. There's yeah. a rush, and Chris Wagner was didn't have a guy within 10, 15 feet of him. So he kind of just gets a pass and walks in on the right wing and uh, gets the pass and buries it past uh, Jordan Bennington for his uh, ninth of the year from Miller and Krug. Uh no more goals the rest of the time, but Jordan Bennington, I don't know if you remember this save, what, the save against Bacchus, where Bacchus had, looks like he had a wide open net. Oh, man. And, uh, Bennington went from his right to his left and yep. threw his glove up and got a piece of it with his glove. He was going top corner, and he got just enough of it to knock it wide. And I was like, that's a goal. Like You saw almost in slow motion, like, that's a goal. And But he was able to grab it and uh, or stop it. And... Keeps the Blues in it, and overtime happens, and not much goes on happened here in overtime. There was a couple uh, of power plays, but even with the power plays, nothing really was because both like teams it. are really good uh, yeah. defensively. So nothing really happened here. Um, I admit where I kind of missed. Eh, I listened to it because I was uh, getting ready to go see uh, eighty-three weeks live recording. This is a podcast. I hate you. I know. Well, you were you unfortunately had your thing going on, so. So you were in Vegas. I mean, I was for work. So I mean, we we could trade next time if you'd like. Sure. So, <laughs> so there you go. So I did get to see this. I actually had downtime, so I ran to the sports book and watched this. Um, yeah. So I I listened while I was waiting in line. I threw my uh, parked, and I literally in between overtime ending and shootout, I threw on my headphones and got in line and it will pull it up on NHL app. And uh, Bozak starts off with a goal. I'm not going to go with every single person. Save, 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 go, save, save, miss. Uh, newly acquired Charlie Coyle 
from Boston gets the goal off a uh, Jordan Bennington. It's his made first ever from, NHL. Made him look stupid. Say again. Charlie Coyle made made Bennington look dumb. Yeah, I did not see the Charlie Coyle. I listened to it. If because I, I could be wrong, if this is the goal that I'm thinking of, he got Bennington to commit early, and dude, I there was no doubt that that was a goal. May I mean just deked him out of his drawers. Yeah, and then. Uh... Obviously goes to sudden death, so Bacchus misses, Thomas misses, Bergeron misses, but Sammy Belay, talk about making somebody look stupid. Yep. Dude, that was a goal. And uh, Belay gets a really nice goal, and then Danton Heinen misses to the Blues, win 3-2 uh, to two in a shootout, or 2-1 to one in a shootout. 2-1 to one in a shootout. There we go. Uh, so Blues stop Boston's winning streak, and let's try to start one of their own. So they play once again, another weekend back-to-back. So this is the last weekend, at least in February, of back-to-back games. So the Blues are trying to catch up with the rest of the NHL pretty much yep. on games. Uh, so they go down to Minnesota and once again play another very defensive-style game. You're missing Braden Shen is out right now. David Perron is still out. Um, Alexander Steen misses these games on this weekend. Or excuse Steen did not miss these. I'm talking, excuse me. That's the weekend before he missed those games due to the birth of his daughter. Uh, but he does get sick and misses a game, misses the Predators game coming up. But we're talking about the Minnesota game real quick. So the Blues drop this one overtime. Jake Allen is in nets. And this is where my I'll, my rant I'll do now. But the Blues lose an overtime here, 2-1, to one, off Ryan Zotto's overtime goal. What do you think of the goal, first off, in overtime? The overtime goal? Yes. I thought it was pretty weak. Okay, I, 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 mean, I, but I would I, agree with it, you. But it was go a good, it was a good shot, but it's a save that Allen should have had. He wasn't yeah. screened. He was it wasn't deflected. He just got beat clean over his glove, and in in this part of the season, coming down the stretch where points are so precious, and look, man, Allen stood on his head this whole game. Yeah, so that's what he, I was going to bring up. It's hard to pin this loss on him, but it's 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 classic Jake Allen. It is he makes fifty one saves and looks fantastic, but that fifty second shot that seems routine beats him. And yeah, that's like, all people remember. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what kind of what happened. The Blues, like I said, it wasn't for Jake Allen. That game wasn't getting to overtime. Agreed. And the third period, he was under siege and made some. There was a couple. There was a ridiculous save where uh, it was off like a one timer where he like almost like stacked the pads type, like a slid and kind of kicked his leg. It was somewhat like a weird save, but he made this amazing save with about three minutes left to keep it one to one. And the Blues, you know, were able to get it to overtime, get a point off Minnesota, which is a team that is, you know, they traded away. This is who they got Ryan Donato for Charlie Coyle. Um, they're going to wind up making another trade coming up here that we're talking about in the uh, trade deadline because this is the last game before the trade deadline. So, uh, you know, so what is Minnesota going to do? But anyway, the thing I want to bring up is after the game. So Jake Allen gives that goal up. Obviously not a great goal. I mean, we can all, I think most people can agree on that. And I think 
people on Twitter, and I know where this is a big commentary, I mean, a commentary on society in general, but man, like Blue's Twitter just sucks lately. Like, there's the people who really defend Jake Allen. There's the people who like are anti or Jake Allen no matter what. And man, not just that kind of thing. Like, if you're negative against the team, and then you have those people who are like, you should be positive no matter what the team does. And there's people who are just super negative. Like, what did you say? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I I was just kind of groaning at the people who think you have to be positive all the time. I mean, I think we've talked about that numerous yeah, times. Yeah, and like I said, I think I think you should be right to criticize the team and all that good stuff. I mean, when they play like crap, I think I can say they play like crap. Well, I think that's what we did on this podcast many times. Like we said, it's hard to do a positive talk about a team and do a podcast when they're playing like crap, which they were early in the year. It's more fun yeah. to sit here and talk about the wins and how great, I mean, even if they lose and how great they look like, even this Minnesota game, I thought they still played a pretty good game. I agree. They lost this game. My thing is just, man, there's just some people like, uh, no matter what are negative this year. I mean, they find like the weirdest things to be like complain about, like anything, what happens to do with like this person is, had a really bad shift, even though they maybe had a goal and assist during the game uh, or a goal during the game. And I thought it looked pretty good. I know it's because of their salary. I know people are talking about how bad Steen is. And I'm like, well, you know, I agree he's overpaid, but, you know, you just got to roll if you got to roll with. I don't like him in a top six either, but he got a goal. So you really can't argue against it for now. Um, Jake Allen Look played amazing. Let it let in, let in a really bad yep. goal. You got to call him out on that, but you also want to, you know, it's kind of that backhanded compliment, but it's like you played awesome, but that goal was pretty weak, you know, but he got you the point, and that's all you can really ask for. And Jake Allen, at the end of the day, let's be honest, he's probably not considered a starter talent for, on most teams anyway right now. If you look Jake at Allen? Yes. I mean, I would say that that's the case. He's He's not even the starter on this team right now. So if you put him against most on most teams in NHL, he'll probably be the backup, except for maybe. I'd say your bottom teams. third for your bottom third. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, my my point is, man, just like let's let's like we'll be a little more civil here on Twitter. Like I, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, I mean, I I hundred percent agree there. But I mean, let's just yeah. try to before you hit that send button when you're attacking somebody personally. Like, why don't you take a step back and realize that you're complaining about. Uh, uh, you know, a, a hockey game, you know, before, like, I've seen, like, some really awful personal attacks. Or sit there and go off on somebody when then you realize it's the uh, girlfriend of a player on the team. Maybe not the best thing to do. Oh, that happened, huh? No, oh, our uh, our buddy Hat got, uh, I guess, uh, went after uh, somebody and then realized that it was a uh, floor hockey legend Pat Maroon's girlfriend. Oh, boy. Yeah. Said, said sorry, I'm not sunshines and rainbow honey. And then she set a bunch of rainbows and unicorns and other stuff his way. And then uh, he said, oh, like, you got to tow the company line. I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but they kind of had it back and forth. And I was like, that's not a good look, in my opinion, but well, to each his own. Look, man, I. Let's just, I, let's just take a step back and let's just, you know, like somebody even told him, like, hey, man, why don't you take a step back? And he's like, well, if I'm going to get disrespected. I'm going to disrespect people back. And I'm like, that's, that's not the know, way to approach it, in my opinion. But you know, I, I agree. Own. And I don't, I don't know what the deal is because I've noticed it too. And 
and we've had him on the show a few times. We've talked to him in person, and I think that that Hitch's hat is is a good guy. He's a knowledgeable hockey guy, and he has intelligent things to say. Um, but I I've noticed that he seems to be a little extra salty this season, and I, I don't know why. But um, to a, to a broader scope, I think the problem that we have with social media is it's very easy and very impersonal to sit behind a keyboard and a computer screen and spit, you know, negativity and spit venom. Negative and venom at people, at yeah. People, you know, people that, and I'm not, I'm not calling hat out. I'm not calling anyone specifically out. I'm just saying social media in general, whether we're talking hockey or cyberbullying in general or whatever, it, it's easy to say things behind a keyboard and a computer screen that you would never in a million years say to a person face-to-face. Yeah, um, and sometimes if you... I mean, hell, dude, yeah. the president of the United States does it on a daily basis to people in Congress and other foreign dignitaries. So it's not like it's just sports fans. Like, Oh, yeah, 100%. It is, like I said, it's hard to comment. Like, I'm trying to, like, narrow this down, but it's a very broad scope thing where it's kind of like it, a... It's pervasive. Yeah. It is the ugly backside of social media yeah. that you're never going to make anyone happy. And everyone's every, it's easy to sit back and armchair quarterback a team, be it a hockey team or a football team or a kid's, you know, little league baseball team. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Everyone knows yeah. what everyone's an expert and everyone knows what, it, you know, well, if I could do it, I would do X, Y, and Z. We'd go undefeated. We'd be 82 and 0, and we'd go 16 and 0 in the playoffs and raise the Stanley Cup, and everyone would make me king of St. Louis. But yeah. that's not reality. And I agree with you. I think that we as a society, again, not just in talking about hockey, but in the case for the cases of this podcast, we're talking about the blues. You need to take a step back and realize that in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about a hockey game. You know, yeah. I yeah. we're all passionate fans. We're all, you know, we all have our platforms that we use. Hell, man, you and I sit down and do a podcast every week about this damn team. And sometimes it's fun to do it. Sometimes it's not as much fun to do it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're talking about hockey. We're yeah. not talking about a situation where people live and die. We're not talking about a situation where, if this team loses, someone doesn't get to eat a meal that night. You know what I mean? Like, it's a hockey game. Yeah, I agree. So, like I said, I was trying to narrow that down and make sure kind of making that, rounding that up for me. So, let's just, at the end of the day, think about, or hit that free uh, tweet back that person. Think about what you're doing pre hit that send button. I'll leave it I at agree. that. I think that's a good rule of thumb for everything. Yeah. So, let's wrap up our last game here. So, the trade deadline happens. Lose, make one trade. We'll get into that. But Nashville made a couple trades, so they're big. Boy, they? a, couple, a couple acquisitions. They got Mikhail Granlin from Minnesota and Wayne Simmons from the Philadelphia Flyers. So a lot of people I wanted really Wayne Simmons. Hoping, I was really hoping that the Blues would pull off some magic and get Wayne Simmons. I think that that's the type of guy that this team needs. I, yeah. I think that he's that power forward that we were hoping Pat Maroon would be. Um, Boy, I, I really wanted the Blues to find some way to to send somebody out and, and get him in. And I'll be honest, I really, really thought 
that we were going to see Maroon, maybe Robbie Fabry get moved on trade deadline day. I really did. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Like I, I thought Fabry had a really good chance due to him really not playing much. Only really played when uh, you know Steen was out because of the baby and just injuries. But uh, no, here's my question to you. Go for it. You think if Braden Shen was not injured, that Braden Shen would have been moved? I think the team was rolling too much. Honestly, I think he was too big of a talent to move. I think had it I, not been for what they've started with that O'Reilly Shen Tarasenko line, yeah. I I 100% agree with you. I think that that line has saved Braden Shen at least for this year. Yeah, at least till the offseason, depending on what happens here for the rest of the year. So I think we both like Shen. A lot, but I think it's just the contract thing, and just I agree. You can get some, you get some draft picks back, and some, maybe some prospect talent back. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad they really didn't make it. At the end of the day, I would have liked the Simmons thing. Would I think would a nice third line guy to have? But I'm, yeah, I'm I fine. Agree. I'm fine with everything that kind of happened. So this game, this national game, oh my god, good playoff game. Uh, we, if yeah, playoff game. If this if this is gonna be a series, man, this is gonna take uh, years off my life probably because it was a great back and forth uh, game, just scoring chances at each end. The Blues pretty much dominated a good chunk of this game. Uh, only 19 saves Bennington had to make for this game, but man, but he had to make some pretty good ones though. Um, I'll say this: PK Subban. Great guy off the ice, very humanitarian, super nice guy, personable, looks like a really cool guy to hang out with. Man, that guy is a piece of crap on the ice. Like, is he the new public enemy number one in St. Louis? I think so. I think the I think with Chicago, I mean, they've turned it on lately, but I think with us not playing him that much, and I think just of what's kind of happened, I think PK Soup, I guess he touched the near the third end of the third period. Every time he touched Every the time puck, he touched it, boy, it was loud. Dude, it was loud. So I think he's moved up the ladder quite a bit. And I think he's right now, I think I would say number one or two slot of being the number, uh, being the most hated person, uh, sports person, at least for the blues. I can't uh, think of another player that's been booed that loud in St. Louis. In a while. I don't even think, yeah. I don't even think in the heyday, Kane and Taze got that treatment. No, I mean, it, it was, like but anybody who touched the like touched a puck like that. I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe Seabrook, you know, when he hit Bacchus, maybe I'm trying to think. Maybe that's possibly, it. Possibly, possibly. Um, I mean, but yeah, I, man, he, I would he go touched back. The puck. It was it was loud. I'm going back to like the Bob Probert days. Like man, that's that, old type of dudes. Yeah, I mean, the crowd was into it. I mean, um. I want to say a guy that I never, like I've said this in a prior podcast, but a guy I kind of really never expected to make the NHL and be a career AHLer. He got a contract because how well he's played, but man, Mackenzie McEachern is going to be a fan favorite. I'm telling you, well, he, right he? he is fantastic. He has endeared himself to a fan. Uh, and what about Robert Thomas jumping in on uh, PK Subban there after oh, he was roughing up Oscar Sundquist? I, I know mean, he said it a million times, but Robert Thomas. From where he started at game one to where we are now at game 63, holy crap, his it learning curve is fantastic. And this is Robert Thomas at 19. I'm excited yeah. to see the Robert. I'm excited to see the Robert Thomas at 23. 
Dude. When he when he's gonna, I think I'm gonna say when and we're gonna see a playoff series sometime in the future where he's gonna be the talk of a playoff see like I a see, like season where he's gonna just be a dominant force that's gonna take over a playoff series and maybe a whole playoff uh, season like multiple series type thing. Yeah, uh, just it, just that this game alone, he kind of. The way he played and he made made plays was making smart plays and just oh man just all over the ice sticking stick up for teammates yeah just great so we, I mean, the Blues are rolling the Blues are rolling four lines effectively for the first time since the run where the Blues went to the Western Conference Finals yeah and like with the CPR line was at its heyday when you put that line out there and they knew that you would get a good strong effort and that's I'm in Barbashev too. As much as people want to say, like, oh, he's a second round, second round pick, you were expecting more out of him, dude. He is an amazing. You may right now fourth line, but if he had to play third line center, where he's a checking type center, it pitches some goals, plays great. Uh, oh man, there was a play where he uh, a short, like he had shorthanded and he just dominated the Predators and just got, took the puck away from them, went down into their zone, kept the puck. Uh, set up an opportunity for I think it was uh, Sunquist, and those two had become a very good duo for shorthand. Our shorthanded, uh, that's shorthanded, but it's usually oh, our. Yeah, there's out of the four, they're a very good forward group that goes out there, just works hard. And I think, it, like we've talked about many times on this podcast, St. Louis loves their grinders slash their blue collar worker type players. Yep, and man. They were great. So Sunquist, like we've talked about in the prior podcast, once again, just played him. Like you just can't say enough good things about the bottom six. Agreed. During this game, and that's the thing is your top six can carry you and get you some goals, but when the top, bottom six is playing effectively and even chipping in some goals, I even hell, we'll even say it. Pat Maroon has yeah. been playing pretty great so lately compared to where he was earlier in the season, where he was so ineffective that you just wanted him to be sent. You want the blues to release him now playing halfway decent on the third, third line and, and even uh, helping out on the power play a little bit. Agreed. Well, let me take it back. The power play. That's the only thing that we can probably make an argument that needs some work so far, but you know what? They're scoring timely power play goals or even, you know, even that Bozak goal against Nashville the other night, mm-hmm. while technically not a power play, it was like three seconds after the power play ended. Yep, it was exactly three seconds, which I was going to talk about. So we didn't even get into this part of the game yet so far. We've been talking about all the other stuff. So the third period rolls around, no goals happened, and the Blues had a power play where eh, not much happened. They had they kept possession, and we'll talk about there. Nashville almost cleared it here, but Tarasenko knocked the puck out of midair at the point and was able to keep it in. Got it back to Petrangelo, back to Tarasenko, and Bozak, and everybody keyed on Tarasenko, and that's been something this year where when people have keyed in on Tarasenko, when he's been scoring, he's been able to find that pass to the open person for an opportunity to score. And Bozak goes five hole on UC Saros. It's his 10th of the year at the 1235 mark from Tarasenko over Trangelo. Uh, they try pulling their goalie a couple times, but Barbashev keeps the puck down there and it's hard for them to really pull their goalie. The Blues get a power play. Uh, the Blues just kind of wind down the clock. Saros still tries to get off the ice. Trangelo gets the empty netter, his 10th of the year. 
Blues win two to nothing. So that makes five shutouts for a tie for second most in the league right now and 18 starts for Jordan Bennington. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. That's a rookie record for the Blues for shutouts in a season. There's so many other things that happen. With, I mean, there's so many accolades I can sit here and talk about for Jordan Bennington over and over again. But at the end of the day, the kid's just been playing great. Under, yeah. he's basically two goals against a nine, nine, three, four save percentage right now, which is really kind of insane as well. Like, hopefully, like that pace, you're expecting something to happen eventually. And I would have thought it happened by now, and it hasn't. So I, I, I just. I just don't know what, like, you're expecting the bottom to fall out. Maybe that's the Blues fan of me. Oh, uh, it but, is. I'm right there with you. Yeah. But, they, but it's, he just keeps playing great. So, like, I've told people online, man, just enjoy the ride now. Like, who cares, man? It's just a great feeling to sit there and, like, man, think about November, December when me and you were talking and we're like, man, we got to watch this game tonight so we have something to talk about when we record on Sunday. I and now was, we're sitting there like, I can't wait until Friday night. I can't wait yeah. until tomorrow night when they play the Hurricanes. I, I was talking wait. with a friend of mine, and I think we both agreed that we were within five games of just shutting it down and not watching anymore. Because that's how bad it was. Like, it wasn't just that they were losing. Yeah. They were just getting handled every night. It was boring. I mean, boring, bad hockey. That's what we called it. I mean, it's what it was. So we'll take it, man. Like, so the Blues, 34, 23, and 6. So they get to play the Hurricanes, who, once again, are the other hot team in the East. They played, uh, they have a pretty similar win streak, but they've maybe had a lesser competition. Blues have played, uh, you know, a lot of teams that are in the playoff hunt. As of right now, the Blues only at the last 19 games, five of them are against opponents that are currently in the playoff picture. And if you want to extend that, that's seven teams and that are teams that are just right outside the playoff picture. So the Blues have a technically kind of a light schedule looking from here on out. They yeah, have a shot here. Yeah, they have a shot here to uh, make some noise because. All right, let's talk about the standings before we get into the uh, trade deadline moves. Yep. So right now the Blues are sitting comfort, not comfortably, but pretty good position. Let's put it that way. 74 points in third place. Nashville, who they have three games in hand on, has 79 points. So they're within five points in Nashville with three games in hand. Like if you do the math right, that's six points. You win all those games and that you overtake Nashville. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg, they have the same amount of games played, but now they're within four points of them. Yeah. I that, think that's going to be interesting. I think realistically, I think that you can look at both Winnipeg and St. Louis jumping Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I mean, realistically, is there a chance to take first in the Central? Yes, there is. You have 19 um, games left. But – I really think that you're looking at Winnipeg moving in front of uh, of Nashville because they're only what a point behind Nashville with three in hand. Yes, so they got a good, yeah. really good opportunity. Right. And so they play and they play Nashville uh, tomorrow night. That's gonna be a good game. Yeah, they're uh, um, at home against Nashville. I would be happy. 
to be honest, I would be happy with second place and taking on Nashville with home ice advantage. Yeah, I'd be and okay I, with that. And I know that we say that hockey, more than any of the other sports, home ice advantage does not matter. Um, I, I think against a team like Nashville, it does. Because for whatever reason, Nashville seems to feed off of their crowd. Mm-hmm. And um, boy, I hate that crowd. Yeah. I think Nashville fans may have overtaken Chicago yeah, for that's... my most hated fans in hockey. That was uh, that was uh, quite the talk on Twitter after the last game where a lot of uh, Nashville fans, we were people giving trouble about uh, their banners and stuff. I will give somebody props. They uh, they tried to Photoshop some blues banners, like banners that we'd hang, which we don't have these banners, which I think is funny. And one was like Gretzky played here, and it said 0-12 in conference finals. And I was like, well, at least we got to – or in the Stanley Cup finals. It's like, well, at least we got there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that where I really turn – like I've, I've always thought that like the Nashville fans come off uneducated a bit. I love their enthusiasm. Much like I love the Vegas enthusiasm, I think it's important for these non-traditional markets to have inside of fan base. Um, where I really went, boy, you people don't know what the hell you're doing, was the game in Nashville two weeks ago mm-hmm. when the Blues scored a goal to go up. And immediately after the goal, the Nashville crowd – starts chanting Alan's name. Yeah, I remember that. It's like, and oh, that's not thinking, how it works. And I remember thinking, that's not how this works. We scored on you, not the other way around. Like, we're beating you right now. Why are yeah. you chanting the goalie's name when we're winning? And we yeah. just scored. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's interesting. So the Blues have a shot here to uh, – you know, make some noise and be weirdly finished first in the central and uh, which is amazing to think about. So they will not get first overall they, in the conference because uh, Calgary is If they finish first in the central, is this the biggest? Do you think this is the best comeback this team has ever had? Has to be. It's bigger than the big, big, NHL. Overall? Yeah. Uh, hang on, league, I believe. At one point, were they not 31st? Yes, they're tied for 31st uh, on January 3rd. And as of right now, St. Louis is currently tied for 13th. Yeah. And you're talking, they're tied with Carolina, who has the same exact record. And you're basically you win this game and you jump up to number 10. But I mean, regardless of. League, I this team's not going to win a president's trophy. There's no way. They're not going to catch the oh, team. Tampa. Yeah. Tampa's 102 yeah. points right now. Yeah, that's but, definitely not happening. But to think about seven weeks ago, this team was tied for 31st out of 31 teams in the league. And oh, yeah. theoretically could win their division against a, a division that's got two teams in it that are darlings to be the Western Conference champion. Yeah, at least preseason picks for sure. I mean, the Calgary's look great so far, so. You know, that alone, just to be able to say that that's a possibility is crazy. 
Should they complete the feat, I think this has got to be one of the biggest turnarounds in NHL history. If, yeah, we'll definitely say it was history. Yeah, even if they don't win the Central, if this team finishes in second in the Central, holy crap, could you imagine how much money you would win right now if you had been in Vegas in, say, mid-December? On, or January and, 3rd when they were 31st, say... I put money down from the finish first in the central. Be crazy. It would be on par to if you would put money for the Vegas Golden Knights to go to the Stanley Cup final and win in the preseason last year. Yeah, because wasn't it like a hundred dollars and that turned into like like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that, or ten thousand dollars or something like that. It I, think- was, I forget what the actual odds were, but I think if you had bet a I think it was if you had bet five thousand dollars on Vegas to win, your return would have been something like half a million dollars. Yeah, it sounds about right. So um, let's get into a quick trade talk. So we'll talk about the Blues trade. The blown Blues trade is the Blues send a six-round pick to Anaheim Ducks for uh, Michael Delzato. So defenseman uh, jumped around the league quite a bit, has 601 games played, only uh, about 50 goals. Uh, he's pretty much in there for defense, uh, excuse me, for uh, depth purposes. Because it looks like Gunnarsson is going to be out a little bit longer. Yep. And I think the reason why they didn't go after a forward here, I think because Shen and Perron are pra- now practicing. And there's a chance uh, they one of them plays, if not both, play on Friday. So, question to you. Mm-hmm. When Perron comes back, where do you put him in this lineup? You figured you slide him into the top, you know, move Steen out of the right wing on the second line and put him down the third line. You put Perron on your – with uh, Bozak, Perron, and uh, – Schwartz? I, guess, I love Schwartz when he actually moves back there. I, you know, whoever they decide to play. That could be Steen up there now. Who knows for – but, you know, they'll have uh, – Schwartz has been there on the top line while Shen is out. But Shen comes back, SB O'Reilly, Shen, Tarasenko, Schwartz. Ozak, Perron. The next line I'm guessing would be something like Sunquist, Maroon, and Steen. And then the last line will be like Barbashev, McEachern, and Thomas. All right. I'm guessing that's kind of like how we'll go. That's my non educated guess. So we're just going to go through some trades real quick. That's the Lone Blues trade. So I'm trying to pick out some either the big trades or trades that will directly affect the Blues. And if Chris, if you like to comment on it, go for it. I'm just going to read them off real quick. Uh, so yep. before the trade deadline happens, Matt Duchesne was moved to Columbus. As you're going to see a theme here, believe it or not, Duchesne go, and along with Julius Bergman from the go from the Senators to Columbus for Vitaly Bramnov, Jonathan Davison, a 2019 or 2020 first round pick, and another conditional first round pick. Columbus stocked up. Yeah, to say the least. And next, the next day they acquired Ryan Dezingle from. Ottawa Senators for Anthony Duclair and two second round picks. Uh, the Dallas Stars decided to load up as well. Get Ben Lovejoy from New Jersey Devils for Connor Carrick and a third round pick. They also acquired Max Zuccarello from the New York Rangers for a condition, conditional second and a conditional third. The third in 2020 becomes a first round pick if Zuccarello resigns or they win the Stanley Cup. So the interesting thing that happens here is Grell scored a goal in his first game with the Dallas Stars, and then he blocks a shot and promptly breaks his arm. Neat. 
and he is out for at least four weeks. He had to have surgery on his arm. I'm guessing probably if you do for the math for four weeks, that leads him up to about the last week and a half of the season. Yep. At best. Yep. I don't know if he's going to come back in time. Uh, the Sabres yeah, acquired uh, Brandon Montour from the Ducks for Brennan Greel in a first-round pick. That's either the St. Louis pick or the San Jose pick, whichever pick is higher. I'll tell you right now, the, the biggest issue that, that Buffalo has right now isn't who they're going to trade for. It's they better figure out how to sign Skinner real quick. Yeah, because he's uh, making a lot of he's going to be making a lot of money after scoring a ton of goals so far. I kind of wonder if that dude isn't just going to test the market because I think that he knows that he could get probably a five or six year deal out of Buffalo, but he's he someone somewhere who's going to offer him a max deal. Yeah, yeah, he's probably going to get uh, maybe eight. I'm guessing eight mil. You think seven, eight? I would, I would say so. Yeah, so I would think so. Uh, the Blues, who they torched Keith Kincaid earlier this season, he goes to Columbus as well for a two for a fifth round pick. You know, when that deal happened, I really thought you were going to see with the amount of moves that Columbus had made leading up to the deadline. Once they went out and got a goalie, I thought the writing was on the wall that you were going to see Bobrovsky and Panarin moved in the deadline. Yeah, but they decided to uh, keep them and go all in. So that's a. I mean, it's now or nothing because yeah, you're not going to have two dudes next year. Correct. So the Jets make a big move and get their second line center, Kevin Hayes from the New York Rangers for Brendan Lemieux, a first round pick and a fourth round pick. So they get their uh, big second uh, line center they've been looking for. So we'll see how that works out for them. Uh, let's see. Who else do we got here? The Blue Jackets also got Adam McQuaid. Like I said, they pretty much got everybody. Colorado gets Derek Broussard, who has moved again after getting traded earlier in the year. Uh, he gets He's moved for just a third-round pick. I I don't know, man. I, I don't know if that's enough to push Colorado over the top. Um, I mean, that being said, it, it's better than the Dallas deal because Dallas made a deal and that guy probably got injured. So maybe it is. I think that you're looking at three teams right now when you talk about Minnesota, uh, Dallas, and uh, and Colorado. I think one of those guys gets left on the outside. Um, and, you know, Minnesota obviously looked like they were in sell mode. Um, but I, I think Dallas, for the fact that they made a deal and that dude got hurt, I think it's going to be between those two teams to figure out who's who's going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, so I, honestly, I think Dallas has got more firepower than Minnesota. Yeah, they, I think they do as well. So, uh, like I said, talked about earlier, the big other big trade, Natural Predators got Mikhail Granlin from Minnesota for Kevin Fiala. That was a little interesting because I thought Granlin's a pretty decent forward who can play center and big body. I have noticed that the a lot of the trades that Winnipeg and Nashville made were getting big body guys, mm-hmm. Kevin Hayes. Mikhail Gramland, um, Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons, you know, uh, the other, so Ottawa finally got rid of all their, all the guys that kind of led them to the, uh, Santa Cup finals a couple years ago. The Vegas Golden Knights acquired Mark Stone and Tobias Lindbergh for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh and a second round pick. And then and immediately re-signed them for about not, it was eight years, nine, not eight years, $9.5 million. Yep. So he got yep. paid. Now, look, I I think on the surface, you think that Ottawa 
got fleeced in that deal. But man, Brandstrom, I Brandstrom think that good. could be a talent. Yeah, he's uh, they compared him, believe it or not, they compared him to Eric Carlson, which is kind of interesting. So uh but yeah, they stocked up, man, as much as I think Ottawa's gonna be kind of crap for a couple years, but um think about the downfall of that team. If they yeah, they were just they call their one goal away from the Stanley Cup finals and two what's years ago. Overtime at game seven against Pittsburgh. Yep. And almost got to the Stanley Cup finals and just barely missed and then just fall apart. Um, yeah. So the last big trade we'll talk about, we kind of mentioned there, Wayne Simmons goes to the Florida Panthers, or excuse me, Florida Panthers, Philadelphia from the Philadelphia Flyers to National Predators uh, for Ryan Hartman and a fourth round pick. So that's about all the big, that's mo- there's a lot of little trades in there, which we're not going to get into every little bit of trade. I tried to nail the ones that are kind of affecting the blues. Yep. So we got all that there. So i wrap up with uh, one more thing here. We talked about already. So I talked to Chris and he saw the video of uh, Islanders fans not being pleased with John Tavares and his return to Long Island. So this is actually at the Nassau Coliseum. This is not in uh, um, Brooklyn. And uh, it was uh, quite the atmosphere, to say the least. Uh, guys, they were burning Tavares jerseys outside. Somebody, he was going down a tunnel, Tavares was, and somebody threw a jersey at him. Uh, There's plastic snakes getting thrown at him. During the, Every time he touched the puck, he was booed. Um, during the tribute video, like, you could barely hear, you barely hear, people were somewhat cheering, but mostly boos. Oh, man, it was uh, interesting, to say the least. Well- What's your comment on it? And then I'll say my little bit. Never underestimate uh, oh, the veteran okay. of Gorn. Well, no, I mean, just in general, <laughs> never underestimate the venom of a scorned New York sports fan. I mean, we are all big time fans, but all you have to do is look at how New York City covers their sports. And, you know, we all have senses of pride for for where we're from. You know, we, you and I obviously live and die with St. Louis and people from Dallas, you know, the, the Texas pride thing is a real thing. I've spent enough time in New York City over the last handful of years to tell you that um, while the Rangers may be the darling of New York City, there is a giant chip that sits on the shoulders of every New York Islanders fan. They know that they are the stepchild of that city when it comes to hockey, even probably behind the New Jersey Devils, who anyone will tell you, they ain't a New York team, they're a Jersey team. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. They know that they are looked down upon. And keep in mind, this is a team that at one point dominated the NHL for most of, what, the 70s? Yeah. Um, 70s, early 80s, maybe. You know, this is a team that was down and out forever. And John Travarez was supposed to be the savior of this team. You know, he was supposed to be the, the guy who brought the Islanders back to prominence, who helped bring them up to and beyond what the Rangers were in New York City. And they won one playoff series with him? Yes. 
I think where the venom comes with with Tavares is much like Albert Pujols with the Cardinals. Um, for the entire year leading up to last offseason, Tavares said all the right things that Islanders fans wanted to hear. That he wanted to be a guy who played for one team his whole career. It wasn't about money. It um, you know, it, it was about finishing the job in New York. It was, you know, all the things you want to hear if you're a fan of that team. Uh, and at the end of the day, he took less money than was offered him in San Jose, I believe, and and went home. Now, it's hard as an outsider to argue a guy wanting to go home and play for his hometown team. I think we all have that dream as a kid, whatever sport it is, winning the championship for your hometown. I get it. I 100% get why Tavares did it. I think it stings even more when that's an in-division rival. It would have been like, which I think a lot of people thought was going to happen in the 90s, if Brett Hall had left and gone to Chicago and picked up his dad's number and played for the Blackhawks. I think we all kind of feared that would happen, and it didn't, but he still went in the division. And not only did he go within the division, he won a cup the next year. Yep. Had a game-winning goal. The Jacob-winning goal. Um, You know, I, I understand the hurt that Islanders fans have. Now, what I find odd is that they have this much hate for him and they're beating him in every sense of the word. They have gotten, how I have no idea, they have gotten better in spite of losing their franchise player. Yep. Barry Charles has miracles there, man. It is almost like the hatred is willing this team to the top of the division because they've just kicked the crap out of the Toronto Maple Leafs with John Chaveras six to one tonight. Yep. So it's a, uh, like I said, I'm a, I really like the passion of the fans. Let's put it that way. Like the, like I'm all for booing, yelling at guys and all that stuff. Like the throwing the Jersey at them and the, Throwing stuff at players—that's not—that's never right. I, I was care. just going to ask if there's ever been a player that you have felt so betrayed by that you wanted to burn or throw their jersey at them. Of all, like you know, like Brett Hall, that was more like a Keenan thing, you know, like he didn't want to re-sign him, so that was kind of—it wasn't him. Like, day. like if you're like in Gretzky, like they could have hopefully could have had a contract on the table, then the Keenan pulled it away. Um, yeah, I can't think of a player like. I guess the only way I can quantify this as a Saint, quantify this as a St. Louis fan is if Albert Pujols came back the next season after he left the Cardinals, where that was like you won a championship here, and this is a little different because he actually did win a championship here. He won MVP awards. Right. Like right. this, is your team that you started in the minors with and got a chance with, and you know dominated baseball with, and then you basically took more money to go to Los Angeles just because. It was more money. There was no reason behind it besides the money. I agree. And that was my that was my thing I can think of that would quantify it for the blue for any kind of St. Louis fan. Maybe I'm missing one. Go ahead and tweet us if I, I can one, but 
I've, I've got to none to the point that I would burn their jersey or throw it at them because I right. do have an authentic Pujols jersey. Um, my whole problem with Pujols was, you know, he talked, again, like Tavares, he talked all this great talk about he wanted to be the next Dan Musial. He wanted to be a lifer. And I still hold true my statement that had Albert Pujols re-signed with St. Louis and finished his career as a lifelong Cardinal, it doesn't matter what would have happened in that new contract. He could have gone to crap and the team could be terrible. If he had finished his career as a lifelong Cardinal with everything that he has accomplished, he would have a statue just as big right next to Stan Musial on Market Street. Just or not on Market Street, but on but on uh, uh, Broadway, just yeah. as big. Not a doubt. I agree. Right I agree. Um, for the St. Louis Blues, for the St. Louis Blues, and this one I think is a selfish one, um, partly because it involves indirectly my favorite player in Blues history, um, but two, just because of what happened and how it went down, would be Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, yeah, it's just how the. Uh... And like a lot of the things where it's like blues, like I'm trying to think of any guys just leaving because of um, most of the fan favorites are guys you really liked were traded almost. I think my Pronger got traded. Well, I mean, Shanahan was traded too, but I think because of the circumstances that led to him having to be traded. Yeah. I'll give you that. I think that was me like, you're, you're a part of my language. You're a shitty human being. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, I'm trying to think of Doug anything Gilmore. else. Yeah, I mean, do people threw pacifiers on the ice at Doug Gilmore? That's true. I'm trying to think of it. Yeah, I mean, outside of like, there's not ever a guy you can think of. And like I said, maybe I'm missing it. Just and trying to think of one so quickly that a guy signed somewhere for more money that was a truly a fan favorite. Most of the guys you thought about were fan favorites were traded. The closest yeah. one I can come up with is, I guess you could say David Backus. Because the Blues had matched yeah, them up. that's they, a good one. That's they, a good one. They didn't go the years. They went four years, six mil per year, but he wanted the extra year, and he decided they'd leave. You know? I mean, I, it, I guess that's a close look. I didn't, like, break my heart. Some fans, it did. So maybe that's why maybe it's sure. missing it. And my I opinion didn't break my heart, I guess. You know, we've mentioned all three. I think if we're talking great players that walked away from the team, you're looking at David Backus to a lesser degree. And to a more major degree, Brett Hall and Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. So, like I said, different circumstances in each on each case too, which is the interesting thing behind all those three too. Uh, and I, in all three cases, I don't think those players wanted to leave. I think those players wanted to sign contracts in St. Louis. I know Gretzky has said in, in numerous interviews that he was ready to sign. And then he had the con- he literally had the contract pulled after his disagreement with Keenan. He literally had this contract pulled, and he didn't get another offer, so that's why he left. It's funny you tagged me in the video yesterday because yesterday was the anniversary of the Gretzky trade. Yeah, and I I watched the Sports Center piece where they were watching that they had Gretzky's conference in L.A. and mm-hmm. he alludes so much where he says, "I anticipate signing the contract in St. Louis in the next few months." I think Gretzky was ready and willing to finish his career side by side with his best friend, Brett Hall, in St. Louis. Yeah. And part of me is like, man, 
why didn't ownership just say like, screw you, Mike Keenan, a lot sooner. And then just like shipped him out and got anybody else in here. And you could have Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hall, Chris Pronger, and Al McKinnis on the same team. And Grant Fior. And Grant Fior. And you had Pronger and maybe even McKinnis to a degree in their primes. And maybe even yeah. Hall just on the outside of his prime. And even Wayne Gretzky, you know, on, even not in his prime per se, but it's still Wayne freaking Gretzky. Yep. You know? Look, I, so. if there's one thing that I fault Blues ownership for, more than when they just decimated the team and sold it for parts so they could sell the team. It is that when ownership saw the Gretzky thing going sideways, why they didn't step in and talk to Wayne or talk to Keenan or both and, and, and at least pull Keenan aside and go, I don't care. Pay that man his money. It's Wayne effing Gretzky. Yeah, even if I know because uh, uh, Keenan was GM at the time too, and it's part of that means like yep. that's when ownership should have like like you said, doesn't make sense to me why you didn't pull into the side and be like, do you not understand? This is probably the greatest hockey player of all time, and he wants to play numer- three more years here. Because I think it was three years, seven million dollars per or something like that. Yeah, like, don't you understand like the marketing and what we'll be able to get out of like like the business side of it. Dude, the, the business side of it. Merchandising alone. Yeah. You make that, that money product. back the marketing and merchandising by itself. Like all the all the posters and everything you can think of just um like video games that you know just coming out. You put him on and covers of video games and you know anything. And nothing Dude. and it's it's wow. very interesting. Like I I wish I can go back and be this cognizant of mind during that time period. So I can like kind of analyze it more and just kind of see like live in that moment, like go to like, why don't you guys see this outside of the playing I don't aspect? Know about of you. Um, I don't know about you, but when that trade was announced, I bought up everything they had with a 99 St. Louis on it. I still have a jersey I, upstairs. I worked, it does not fit me at all, but I have a jersey upstairs. I worked at a sports apparel company in the mall. There was a chain store called Superstars, but we would send out jerseys to get lettered. I sent mine out the day we announced him, and it took me a month and a half to get mine back. We were on a three-month back order for Gretzky's. Mm-hmm. We could do anybody else within a week and a half, but we were out of nines. Like yeah. it, it was that. Hard to get them. And it was, well, use an upside down six. You couldn't do that back in those days. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't just flip a six upside down. Um, but dude, we had and I bought jerseys and t-shirts and posters and hats and magazines, everything, everything you could think of that had Gretzky on it. And that's not even counting the stuff that had Gretzky and Hall on it. That they marketed as that marketed as the Blues Brothers. Yeah, so that, um, that it's an interesting thing why that didn't happen. So uh, as well as things, I need to do it. Maybe one. We need it to do a deep dive into it. Yeah, we need it. Maybe in the summertime when we uh, things slow down, maybe I'll do. Uh, we'll do a podcast just on that. All right, and then we'll do a deep dive into it, and maybe a like not a step by step, but maybe a kind of him getting traded here to the time he signed with New York. I think that might be a really good podcast. So I, uh, I was lucky enough to get my, my blues Gretzky Jersey signed by Wayne 
and a few other people. And a few other people. That's a, that's a story that we need to do for another podcast, how that yeah. got, got circulated around. So, But it, it's amazing how just bringing that jersey into the store to get framed, it's like walking in with the Lost Ark. People are like, oh, wow, you got a Gretzky Blues jersey signed. Mm-hmm. It, it, crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's insane. So yeah, but we'll do that for a podcast in the summertime. So go ahead and I'll, we'll book that. Now it's on the uh, officially on the list to do now. That uh, we'll do a deep dive into that situation. I think that's something we both would like to kind of re not relive, maybe just to get some clarity on it and then kind of go sure. over it again. That'd be interesting. So we've gone really long in this one. Just we had a, so much stuff going on, but it's been fun though. So. Um, We'll try to wrap it up here. So if you want to hold us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL. And Chris is I'm, at? I'm at Hossapalooza. And you get hold of us or find us on Facebook. It's Blues Hockey Podcast. And that's also the same on Instagram. Uh, if you also need to get a hold of us on our website, you can do that by emailing us. It's blueshockeypodcast at gmail.com. And find us on all your favorite podcast uh portals, I guess you want to say, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, We're also on YouTube. And our website is blueshockeypodcast.com and also blueshockeypodcast.net. I think I've nailed all that. And uh, let's keep things rolling. Blues have a big game tomorrow. We kind of alluded to already. Uh, They play the Carolina Hurricanes. You mean the Hartford Whalers? Correct. They 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 wore them once so far. I don't know if they are. They wearing the jerseys. Tw- I thought they were wearing them twice in a I year. I thought they were doing them for three or four games. I actually yeah, bought them this year because I love the Kelly Green jerseys. Mm-hmm. So that'd be cool. Uh, I mean, nice they play use them tomorrow. I don't think they are, but it'd be cool if they do. So they play another uh, big game. They come back home. They play the Dallas Stars. And they get some games off, and they do their West Coast swing. They play the Ducks. They'll play our uh, buddy Bobby's team the kings and then the san jose sharks next week so next week is uh some late games so we might maybe broadcast uh not broadcast but record during one just because they start at 9 30 yep. when we kind of do stuff so all in all can't ask for much better things lately for, for the st louis blues so i say we take next week off from work we fly to california we go to the ducks game the Kings game, and the Lip Biscuit show at the Troubadour. All right. Can you ask Bill to front me the money then? Uh, I will ask. He said no. <laughs> okay. So, so, so uh, that is out the door then. So uh, I would – yeah, I saw you sent that link tonight. That was interesting, the Lip Biscuit. A $3 dollar concert at the Troubadour with Lip Biscuit. That's going to be insane. That that, for those of you not from L.A., um, the Troubadour would be like – uh, Mississippi oh, Nights. Mississippi Nights? Yeah, Mississippi Nights. You know, fun fact, fun fact about me, never went to Mississippi Nights. I spent many an evening at Mississippi Nights. Am I, am I out of the, the age range for that, you think, though? You're on the young end of it. Um, I'm surprised you never went, but... Weird, weirdly, I've been to the Creepy Crawl probably a dozen times, but never Mississippi Nights, so quantify that somehow. Yeah, you, uh, you saw one hell of a show at the Creepy Crawl. Mm-hmm. Didn't you go see Muse at the Creepy Crawl? No, no, no. That was the night where I'm like, I'm going to go to, I'm working, and my buddy's like, there's this concert there, and there's not going to be that many people there, so it'll be one night where Creepy Crawl is not crowded. And I did see uh, Blink-182 there. That'd be a hell of a show. 
So that was the early, earliest show. So I didn't see them there. I saw um, some 41 there. Okay. That'd be interesting. And then what was, uh, no. And then my buddy was like, oh, it's a buddy, this game name, band name Muse. I'm like, I, cool, man. But, and now they're like one of my favorite bands. And it kind of sucks because he's that like, yeah, there's like, show. he's like, there's 25 people there. Yeah. I'm like, 25 that people. Muse playing. I believe that was the origin of Symmetry, I believe. Uh, Probably. Off the top of my head, because uh, it was Plug In Baby, I believe, was the big single at the time. Look at you. Yes, it is. Yeah, so I know, I know, Lou. Yeah, I know. Me and music. I got ready for a trivia night this weekend. So, anyway, for me and Chris Ramble, all about random stuff, we'll let you guys go and appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we'll come to you next week. See ya. Come on, come on, come on.